I'm Alex Barlow, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. This is a two-guest show today, no monologue. First, Senator Blackburn does an extended breakdown of Biden's State of the Union address, and we also get her take on uh, our relations with the CCP. And then we speak to a man named Paul Fitzpatrick, the president of the 1792 Exchange, which is a new index that evaluates the wokeness of corporations. It is an excellent idea, and you will hear in the interview that I'm genuinely quite excited about it. So let's check out both these interviews right now. Senator, were you in the room yesterday? was watching from my office and listening very carefully from this on the speeches I sat at my desk making notes and getting ready to talk with Tennesseans and you know what they really came away with on this speech is that he said repeatedly he was going to finish the job and then he used the phrase never again. And Alex, you know, this sounds a lot like a campaign thing. Let's finish the job. But you have to look back, and so many of the Tennesseans that I've talked with as we observed what was being say, said, and after this, they said, this is continuing that Barack Obama legacy where Obama said, let's radically transform this country. And the speech last night was about big government. It was not about cost of living. You didn't hear about the border. Uh, You didn't hear about inflation. Those were things that Tennesseans wanted to hear last night. Yeah, it is inflation. He basically acted as though he was solving it. And um, there was very little China talk. There was no border talk. There was some fentanyl talk, which was, you know, there's some of your colleagues on the Republican side uh, yelled out heckling Biden over that because he was saying it was his fault. Uh, react to that sentiment, Senator. I, you can comment on the tactic also if you feel like it. But the just the, it kind of was Biden's fault, the amount of fentanyl death, which he underestimated, by the way, in his speech. He did underestimate the deaths. We had over 100,000 people. Tennessee had nearly 4,000 people lose their lives to fentanyl. And yesterday afternoon, I spoke with the Narcotics Officers Association, and we had some great Tennessee officers that were there, and I sat down with them for a few minutes after my remarks to, to the association. They will tell you, you go into Tennessee, into any of our 95 counties, you talk to any police chief, you talk to any sheriff or deputy, they're going to tell you that the drugs that they apprehend, 80-85% is going to be either fentanyl or fentanyl-laced. And the deaths and the people that they bring back from an overdose by using Narcan, uh, their concerns over how they are going to be able to monitor bags and 
clothing and things that are dusted with fentanyl. And now, of course, you're seeing dollar bills and other items on playgrounds that are dusted with fentanyl. But there should have been more conversation around that border, how the drug cartels are bringing this across the border. It is coming into the country illegally from Mexico the money the cartels are making on this, uh, the way the cartels are destroying lives with this fentanyl coming into the country, and some of the legislation that some of us have that would deal with the drug trafficking, the sex trafficking, the human trafficking, the moving of gangs into this country that make our communities less safe. There was no mention of the Chinese Communist Party, how they're trying to surveil. There was not a word about the balloon. Um, These are things that the American people wanted to hear about last night. And Alex, I have heard so much from people about the balloon and the fact that they've heard me for years talk about how China is surveilling us. And thought, well, maybe so. Maybe there's uh, part of that. Maybe there's a good bit of that. But um, they realized, yes, indeed, there is no end to the lengths that the Chinese Communist Party will go to to surveil us, to track us, to build a virtual view of each and every one of us online. There's no end to the links that they will go to to own our data. And people are disturbed by this, and rightfully so, and I'm glad they are. Righteous anger can be a really good thing. But for there to be nothing, nothing is amazing to me. Yeah, let's talk about the uh, clip where Biden is screaming about um, Xi Jinping and people switching place with him. I, I have this. It's really short. Can we play this one, um, uh, Mr. Zach? It is. I, I don't have it in front of me anymore. Uh, the the let's see. The oh yeah, uh, cut eighteen, please. Autocracy has grown weaker, not stronger. Name me a world leader who changed places with Xi Jinping. Name me one. Name me one. What is he doing here, Senator? I thought that was very odd. And I was just looking for my notes on on that. And um, because that was very odd that he started talking about world leaders trading place with Xi Jinping. Well, let's talk about the practices of Xi Jinping. Let's talk about what he's doing to the Uyghurs. Uh, what he's done to the Mongolians and the Tibetans. Let's talk about what he's done to the Hong Kong freedom fighters. Let's talk about Jimmy Lai and how that Hong Kong security force has locked him up in order to stop him from being a journalist who is working freely with freedom of the speech. Let's talk about what the Chinese Communist Party and Xi Jinping is doing as they're bullying Taiwan and the other islands there in the Indo-Pacific, how we're needing to increase our presence in that region of the world. Because all of those uh, Pacific Island nations, those island nations know that if Joe Biden topples Taiwan, they are next in the line. And it is frightening to them 
They don't want to be ruled by the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, and Biden also had a moment where he implied that Xi Jinping is uh, on the on the wane and America's beating him. And I, I want to play this one, too, because I feel like this is something that, that you deserve some um, a chance to react to this. Cut 20, please. Before I came to office, the story was about how the People's Republic of China was increasing its power and America was failing in the world. Not anymore. Uh, what, wasn't there just a balloon that was surveilling our country over uh, key strategic sites in that country just like days ago? Like, it's, what, what planet is he on? Right. It is, it is so interesting. And you look at comments like that and you think, my goodness, what is the White House team around him? Susan Rice and Jake Sullivan and Valerie Jarrett and people that are, you know, calling shots and making decisions. What are they telling him? Because you did just have the balloon accident. They are, and you look at what is happening economically and how China is pushing and uh, how this administration will not go in with sanctions, how they will not work on tariffs, um, how we're kind of upside down on trade. And you know that in a Trump White House with a Mike Pompeo as Secretary of State, Alex, they would never have tried this. They knew better than to try this because they were afraid of Secretary Pompeo and they were afraid of Donald Trump. Well, let's let's talk about the balloon. Uh, what if, are you getting clear answers uh, on the balloon? Do you feel like you have a sense of what it was trying to do and why we didn't shoot it down right away and how it evaded our detection for so long? We have no answers on that yet, and we're supposed to have a briefing on this tomorrow. But look at how long it has taken them to come around to this briefing. Uh, It's like they had to get their act together on it. And here's another thing that I've talked about with Tennesseans. You go back and you look at Afghanistan, and the the commanders told, uh, our military commanders told the president, they advised him against coming out of Afghanistan, and they advised him against, giving up the Bagram airfield right? and said, don't do it. As commander-in-chief, he said, we're coming out and we're giving up Bagram and everything there, and we are out. He wanted to be completely out of there by September 11th. So what happened? We came out. Now he is saying he ordered the balloon to be shut, shot down. Right. But the commanders told him they would not shoot it down. So either he is the commander in chief or he is not the commander in chief. And well, this who is, is making those decisions. If he had said shoot that balloon down, Pentagon would shot down that balloon. Well, this is sort of a disturbing thing because, you know, Mark Milley has already admitted that he warned China uh, during the Trump years that if uh, Trump was planning to attack them, that he would he would warn them like he told China that. Uh, it, it, you have to wonder, though, about some of these generals as they get more woke, and um, it just seems like they're more focused on undermining the president. So I, I know they undermined Trump. I mean, it wouldn't I wouldn't put it past them to undermine Biden, too. It just seems like there's 
uh, some level of arrogance. I'm not talking about with our rank and file in the military who are beloved, I think, across the country. It is uh, these generals who get to the highest levels of our bureaucracy that are, uh, I, it feels like they're going rogue a little bit. Well, it, I, this is one of the reasons you're going to see oversight on what happened with the Chinese spy balloon. Why did they not shoot it down? What decisions were made? What were the communications? Getting access to those communications. Did the president delay this? Or was it the Pentagon delaying it? And why didn't they take action as soon as it entered our airspace in Alaska? Yeah, they exactly right. From Saturday to Wednesday to do something and chose to do nothing. Why did they not attach other balloons to that payload and then walk the thing down? Why didn't they do that? Yeah, Senator, and hopefully if you get answers, you feel free to come back and share share what you found out. I, I want to get your take on a couple of specific moments. Joe Biden claimed he cut the deficit. Yes, that really happened. Uh, what's your reaction to this? It was so interesting to me that he was trying to say Donald Trump was the one that had grown the deficit. When you go back and you look at our nation's debt, our accrued debt, debt it was $10.6 trillion when George W. Bush left office and handed the keys to Barack Obama. When Barack Obama and Joe Biden exit the White House, it is north of $21 trillion. And yes, Donald Trump and COVID added some to it. But who has spent $6.3 trillion? Who has spent $6 trillion in two years? It is the Biden White House. Yeah, it seems like one where I, you can't even believe he says this stuff. He just seems to have this preternatural ability to just lie to people's in people's face. Um, I want to get your thoughts on him calling for amnesty for illegal aliens. We knew this was coming, and he wants all of you on the same page when it comes to uh, immigration. Uh, what was your uh, reaction to this moment? Well, one of the things that we have to realize is that he is not interested. He is not interested in um, securing that southern border. What he's trying to do is uh, find a way to say we don't have as much illegal entry. Well, how is it he's going to do that? He's going to make illegal legal. And whether it was his coming out with, oh, we have an app for that, uh, which he did, a few weeks ago, you know, sign up for the app, go to the app, apply right, right. in your country. Uh, what we know is that um, he's trying to find a way to make illegal legal so he can say he has addressed the issue at the border. Yeah. And he, again, makes it as though he's being the one who's unifying here, but it feels like he never starts with the premise, we're going to secure the border. I mean, this is always, I'm a no amnesty person, Senator, I imagine you are too, but pretty much across the board. But if they're going to at least don't insult us and at least say, okay, we'll build the wall, we'll finish that off. We'll make sure we know who's coming in and out before we talk about the amnesty. The fact that they want to talk about amnesty before we've secured the border. Uh, when we know what happened under the Reagan years, when we did an amnesty and didn't secure the border and things got worse, 
it's it, it feels very insulting that he's acting like we're the divisive ones. Well, it is because what he is doing is saying, I'm not going to give the Border Patrol what they need. He is saying, I'm going to determine what they're going to get. And I think that that is just really very, uh, it's just so disingenuous that, you know, we are not going to go secure this border. He doesn't talk about border security. What he, there again, you know, Alex, he's just trying to find a way to get out of this yeah. and to say we've stopped illegal entry, and it's not true. And so when you've got 251,000 people coming over the border last month, and that is the people that raised their hands and said asylum, and then you've got the known gotaways and you've got the unknown gotaways, and the Border Patrol is saying there is a way to handle this. If you will give us a barrier and better technology, then we can do something about this. And he just will not do it. Yeah. Uh, he also screamed about assault weapons, screaming ban them all. I won't play the whole clip. I may play it later. It's a longer of a clip. Uh, what was your reaction to that part? Well, when it comes to just you have to go into this knowing that what they want to do is take away your Second Amendment rights. And they keep trying so many different ways to do it. And it is something that we have to realize that the Second Amendment, that is a right that is non-negotiable. The Second Amendment, that is a right given to you, but you've got to go get a permit from a local official to exercise that right. And what we have to do is say, no, we're going to stand for Second Amendment rights. Many states like Tennessee have already moved to a constitutional carry format. It also seems like a lot of trite talking points that are just geared to gin up people on the political left. But in the meantime, he acts as though, you know, he's going to unify the country. Uh, one, I also wanted your thoughts on his commentary on big tech. Uh, Biden is not threatening to big tech. They're simpatico on virtually all political issues. It seems like uh, Biden says he wants to crack down on big tech, taking a bunch of our data uh, or limiting it, capping it in some way. Seems fine, but that seems like it's really just scratching the surface. And I wanted to get your take there. Well, it is. And what he wants to do is break up big tech. And what we keep saying is there is a way, there is a way to work through this. You don't have to break up. Let's do the things that change the playing field, that would alter the business model and see where we get. We need online privacy so that you've got one set of rules for the entire internet ecosystem with one federal regulator, which historically has been the FTC. So let's do those things first. Let's look at data security provisions. Let's not throw Section 230 away. Let's go in and modify Section 230 so that 
the big tech companies do not have that protection, but your new starts that are trying to come out of the gate, they're going to be able to have that protection. The last one for the day, one of the centerpieces of his speech was uh, tax hikes, and uh, he's claiming it's just going to be for the super wealthy. Um, I, I don't believe him when he says that. I think he would like to just raise taxes in general because his uh, his whole agenda is so, so expensive. Um, but have you seen anything concrete, anything that you think could potentially turn into law that we should all be aware of? And your reaction is rhetoric is also welcome. Oh, well, you know, when he talks about this, nobody under 400000 making under $400,000. And what he doesn't do is go in there and say, okay, people that are small businesses that are filing on the 1040 and their gross is at a half million dollars, but their take-home from that small business, by the time they pay all the expenses, pay people maybe fifty, sixty thousand dollars This is where the difference is. And you know that these 87,000 IRS agents that he is wanting to hire, yeah. it, they're not going after corporations that no. have an entire legal department and an entire accounting department. He's not going after the billionaires. Who he's going after is Main Street businesses. He can't get enough tax revenue from big companies to pay for all of this these freebies that he is wanting to give away. Government control of your life from daylight to dark. Government control of education. Government control of economic development. Government control of the economy. Government control of your health care, of your education, government control over what energy sources you are going to be able to use, government control over the type car that you can own. These are the path. That's the pathway they're trying to go. And these are the steps they're trying to take to get there incrementally a little bit at a time. And that's why it is important for Republicans to say we are a nation based on freedom, free people, free markets, and we need to freeze federal hiring and federal spending. We need to freeze federal salaries. We need to start cutting into the baseline of these budgets. We need to make certain that we're reducing what the federal government spends, not increasing it, and that we're working our way to a balanced budget so that our kids and our grandkids know what freedom, prosperity, and the American dream is all about. Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican from Tennessee, I really do appreciate you spending all this time with us this morning. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Be right back. A 
lot of you have heard me mention from time to time when I'm buying consumer products or I'm patronizing a new business, I always try my best to use the least woke possible. Uh, and again, it is impossible to operate in America right now without unfortunately patronizing some businesses you don't like very much. But uh, I do my best to take a look into their background, what they do, uh, whether or not they make woke demonstrations. And if they do, then it's much less likely I'm going to use their products. One of my tricks I've used over the years is to go back and look to see if they post the black square on Blackout Tuesday, which is you know part of anti-cop demonstrations, etc. Uh, and it is something that is a big pain in the butt. So it's fitting that finally a group has come around and is actually trying to put the spotlight on which corporations are woke, which are less woke, which are in between and build an index so that you can look it up and actually see what's going on. And this group is called the 1792 Exchange. And one of the people who's a part of the group is on with me now, Paul Fitzpatrick, who's the president. It's at 1792 Exchange on Twitter if you want to follow him. Paul, thanks so much for being on the show. I feel like I've got it summarized pretty well, but please uh, the, the, add any details you can. Oh, Alex, thank you so much. It's my honor to be on. Uh, starting big picture, your listeners know that the left has finally captured the last institution, corporate America. And just like you said, as consumers, or whether you're running a small business or a nonprofit, you're vulnerable. You're also Whether you're supporting an agenda you don't believe in, or you're at risk of being canceled as an eye service. And that's really ultimately why 1792 Exchange was started. We're, we're a group that is devoted to and protecting free exercise, free speech, and free enterprise, and help woke corporations move back to neutral. And one of the things we do is provide this service to equip and protect small businesses and nonprofits. And so this is our first spotlight report. You said spotlight. That's exactly what we're trying to do. Our first spotlight report shines the light on this corporate bias that we see. So we call this our corporate bias ratings. Uh, easy to get to on our website. <clears throat> and the idea is that we have evaluated a thousand companies so that whether you're running a small business, a nonprofit, or just your family, uh, and I shouldn't say just, as you said, your, your purchasing decisions make a difference. Uh, we want to give you a quick and easy tool so that you can evaluate your risks and vulnerability. And what is the ideology that you're supporting? And the idea is that you can jump in, you can search on a company by name, you can search on an industry. And we've evaluated these companies and rated them based on their high risk, medium risk, or lower risk. And you say risk of what? Well, it's the risk of canceling or denying service for ideological reasons. It's so important. So how do you determine what the score is, what factors go into it? Because a lot of people are going to find some things that are surprising. Uh, some people, I think, come out, uh, you know, for the most part, uh, your conclusions are pretty much what, uh, you know, you would draw naturally just from kind of thinking through some of these issues. But there were a few times where I was expecting something to be high risk and it was kind of, it was a medium risk or something that uh, I w had not thought of in a while is actually a lower risk. And um, it, it, how do you, what, is, what are the criteria that you use? Um, yeah, it's a great question. We have six criteria. I won't go through every detail of each, but basically sure. has, number, number one is, has this company previously denied service to a customer, a supplier, a vendor, an employee based on political or religious beliefs or affiliations? 
um, have they have they in essence boycotted or canceled? Uh, second is the corporation's charitable giving. Um, is it limited? Do they discriminate against religious views? Uh, third, on the employment policies, do they do they protect ideological and political affiliations, uh, religious affiliations of their employees? Fourth, does the corporation use their reputation of their brand to support ideological causes or organizations that are hostile to freedom of religion or speech? Do they use the corporate funds to advance uh, ideologies that mm. are divisive? Mm. And then finally, do they, do they use their corporate political contributions for ideological purposes? Obviously, corporations are, can give politically. There's nothing wrong with that. We understand when it's related to their business. That makes a lot of sense. I worked, I worked at Capitol Hill. I know what that's like. But when they start getting into political and ideologically divisive issues that have no relation to their business, that's when we, what we did is we wrap all those six criteria up. We put a number on it. And ultimately, it, it, this is not science-based, just to be clear. We're not launching the space shuttle. But this is evidence-based. And so we do put a number to it. And ultimately, are they high, medium, or lower risk? And, and one important point I want to make is – if, if someone calls me and says, I was at the gas station and saw my brother's sister's cousin who said he got canceled by this company, we're not going to add that on our database. What our team has done is we're, we're searching the first the corporation's own websites, because a lot of times they'll, they'll reveal what they're doing, their policies will say, and what the, where they're funding. But two, we're, we're then just looking at news reports and, and what are people reporting. And so... Uh, one thing is we're not verifying are their products and services and prices good. That's up to other folks. We're not saying this is a, an investment tool. Don't use it for that. But what we are saying is that we have taken the time, our team has researched and evaluated to come up with these directional evaluations, these ratings. Uh, and we, we stand by them. They are our opinion, but they, we do stand by them. It's really fun to play with the search feature that you have. And I punch in a bunch of companies that I patronized uh, when I was kind of getting ready for the interview. And uh, it's fun to see how things turned up. And I'll, I've, I find myself rooting for certain companies and against other companies, uh, But which is, I know, not entirely the point, but it is enjoyable for people to check it out. You can go to 1792exchange.com. Uh, but I, I noticed that not every company that is a big deal and important to me is in the index yet. So there's a, it's a huge index, but I imagine you want to expand it. Oh, exactly. Yeah, we, again, we've got 1,000 companies uh, that we've reviewed. There's a function in there. If you go in and there's a company that's important to you, your business, your nonprofit, your family, um, submit it, and we'll evaluate it. Uh, since we launched uh, it, what, two, about two weeks ago, we've had uh, roughly 500 companies submitted. So it's going to take us a little time to get through those. Sure. Uh, the other thing that we do, we do want you to do is if you have, if you can verify, you, you have an example of a company denying service to you, to a company, uh, to employees, uh, submit that. And then that will help us improve the ratings. Really, when I say improve, meaning make them more accurate. Um, and you're right, there are some companies that you might think are safe, but are not so safe. You know, a, a Kroger that fired employees for refusing to wear pride pins. Or um, there's people have read about Airbnb. But some of them, some of the others, uh, you know, why is Best Buy getting so supportive of ideologically divisive causes? Uh, some of these are surprising. And there's some others that you might think are woke, but really aren't, aren't very risky. Cloudflare, yes. Snowflake, or Block, block. And, and those are some of the ones that we, um, 
one of the things we want folks to do, and I, I will say, and I don't mean to, to jump ahead, but um, part of the question is how do you use these? It's, it's yes, evaluate where you're spending your money and evaluate, you know, are, is your bank going to cancel you because you showed up at the wrong political rally with the wrong hat on uh, or going to fire you? But the other thing is we, we don't believe that just silently switching a vendor is the way to go. What we would rather have companies, uh, excuse me, individuals and users do is maybe print the, the rating because they easily go on the site. You download the rating. It comes up in a PDF. You can print it. You can walk into your local bank and say to your bank, mm. hey, bank, you're, you're, you're rated high risk. Um, I see you've done X, Y, and Z. I'm concerned. Will, will you cancel me? Uh, if, if you're, I, I trust you. I like you, Fred. You've always been good to me, but the corporate higher-ups seem to be ideologically uh, driven. Would you amend my contract? And then you, over time, if we have enough people doing that in a very kind and respectful way, the word will trickle up yes. to management. And, so, and the other way that I, so I, I'm, 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 I wanted to ask, has that happened yet? Because it feels like um, I would imagine that if this takes off and it should, because again, as I noted in my sort of preamble to the interview, it's sort of a no brainer of an idea. Uh, and it's great that you guys are doing this. Uh, it feels like companies could get very mad at you that you're ranking them as high risk because it's going to be very bad publicity. So are any companies engaging with you that you weren't expecting? You know, we have not had conversations publicly that we can talk about. That really is part of our hope. But we're, we're just now, we're what, two weeks into going public. And so that hasn't happened yet. But we do believe that as people very, in, like I said, politely go in um, and work with your local folks. And one, one thing I was going to say is that you talk to the local branch manager, whoever your contact is, that person may, may be part of your Rotary Club, go to your church, they're in the little, little league with you. Uh, these folks are probably not the ones making the decisions <laughs> that, that are offending you and putting our freedoms at risk. So what we want to do is help those. There are people inside these companies who are trying to do the right thing. And if we can equip them, they can then make the case for us up through the chain of command. So, uh, Paul, where did you get the idea to do this? Uh, you know, the group of, of, frankly, a group of families that, that were concerned about what ha was the trend of our country. And I saw it, too. I worked for a corporation many decades ago um, in the way the left weaponized public companies, and they started pushing ideological policies long before they did, and often in the HR and the benefits space. And then we saw them speaking in, and I've been active in the policy world for decades. And so we realized that the left saw that they, the policies that they couldn't advance either legislatively or through the courts, they could use the immense power of corporations to, in essence, anesthetize the American people to issues to then make it easier for legislative or, or court push pushes on these policies. Um, and then we saw corporations, it really, it really came to fore in 2019 when the business roundtable redefined the purpose of a corporation from returning shareholder value to, to being shareholders and stakeholders. And then what happened in 2020? Um, it, it wasn't just the year of COVID. It was the year of corporations canceling and denying because of Black Lives Matter and the Trump campaign and because of COVID that corporations were fully weaponized. 
and they were obviously silencing speech. We know we've got big tech as a problem. And so folks got together and said, wait a minute, we're not going to be able to run our businesses the way we want because our, our web hosting or our payroll processor or CRM or our bank is going to cancel us. Uh, and also the, the nonprofits that we support and the ministries and the churches that we support, they're not going to be able to run on the, their own principles. Their freedom ultimately is going to be denied if corporations get fully weaponized. So that's really why we're here. It's so great. And I'm just looking through it. I'm just having a blast looking through some of these things. And you're just reminded of different corporations who had public cancellations and now they get penalized. If you're going to publicly cancel people, then you get a penalty. You become high risk. And if there is a big public dust up and you choose not to do the cancellation, you get a lower risk. You get a green score. And it is these are the exact tactics the left has used to silence people like me and uh, people on the right for so long. And it, it, they, they do it in a completely disingenuous and unfair way. Uh, it seems like you're really trying your best to keep this thing fair. There are some uh, groups that I would expect to get, you know, high risk scores that are getting medium risk scores. It, it really does. It seems like you're trying to be helpful here. Oh, we really are. And, and honestly, if these corporations, if they're listening, I hope they're listening to your program, Alex, and they disagree with something and we have our facts wrong, let us know. We'll happily yeah. correct it. Um, and, but by the other token, we want people to let us know if there have been cancellations. And yes, absolutely. I mean, we are trying to be fair, and we are being fair. We are, we are unabashedly conservative. We unabashedly stand for freedom. That's free exercise, free speech, and free enterprise. So clearly someone who's on the other side of that, they're not going to see us as unbiased. But, yeah. uh, but as, as the name uh, implies, the Spotlight Report, it's about shining light on bad behavior and good behavior and kind of, and pointing a path forward where companies can go, where consumers can go, where small businesses and nonprofits can go. So the website is 1792exchange.com. Uh, I, I imagine at this point you guys are going to be supported by donors. Or you get a big donate button there. Um, I highly recommend it. This is an, an effort to back, I think. So full endorsement from my end. Paul Fitzpatrick, the president, uh, congrats on this so far, and I really hope big things are to come here. Alex, thank you so much. I'm really honored to be on your show. and Thank you for your time, and thank you for your amazingly educated listeners. Yeah, thank you to you for what you're doing, and best of luck along the way. And come back if you got something to share with us. I'm American made. I got American parts. That's today's show. Thanks so much to producer Zach Jones for putting it together, and we'll talk to you next time. America's home.